You are now listening to the Here for the Truth podcast, hosted by Joel Rafidi and Erasmus Stylianessis. All right, everybody, welcome to episode 42 of Here for the Truth podcast. I'm Joel Rafidi, and as always, I'm with my co-host here, Erasmus Stylianessis. Now, quickly, before we get into today's guests, um, in case you missed the announcement and the news, we are again a public and free podcast. And retro, retrospectively, all our full episodes are available on YouTube. And by the time you hear this, they will be on all other platforms as well. Um, this was a decision that Erasmus and I were contemplating for a while. And we decided we just need to stick true to our mission, which is making the truth as mainstream as possible. And honestly, it excites us more than anything else to be able to share this information um, and to release these episodes um, completely free to the public. So go check those out for sure. Um, this doesn't signify the end of Patreon. Um, we're working on other benefits for our Patreon community. We'll be getting early access. We'll still be doing our community calls. Um, and we're going to work on some other exciting things to offer you guys that, that, that do support us. And we do really appreciate the support and the continued support. And yeah, that's the announcement. And thank you so much. And without further ado, uh, Erasmus is going to introduce today's guest, Kerry Boydson. All right, we got a special guest, Kerry Boydson, with us today. Um, I just happened to finish reading his amazing novel uh, about a week ago. It was pretty incredible. But anyways, I'll just get into talking about his bio a little bit, and then uh, we'll, we'll get into this. So Kerry, he was born in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. And then he went to Vancouver, British Columbia in 1991, ended up joining the NLP Institute of Canada and received training by the world famous Marilyn Atkinson. Also in Vancouver, he met some ex-bankers who introduced him into, who introduced him into becoming a conspiracy analyst. He was trained in Vancouver on how to develop one's intuition so as to channel. And by channeling, communicating with sources of hunches directly. In 2007, he was looking for something interesting to write fiction-wise and was looking for a story world to create. He ran into Michael Tazarian's recorded video about Atlantis and then started investigating more and more and got hooked. He got Michael's Atlantis book, then his Irish Origins book, watched his Oracle series, and joined Michael's Tarascope's Mystery School. Kerry then taught himself how to develop fictional stories and write scenes. Over many years, he ended up with his novel called Descendants of Atlantis that was released on Amazon last year. You can find Kerry and his blog at www.descendantsofatlantis.com. And I will be the first one to say that what a ride this book was. Like, I have not read fiction in a long time. And I, I just flew through the book. The stories was, was awesome. The characters were amazing. Uh, there was suspense. It was cool. And um, based on alternative historical research. So I think, why don't we just start there? Why don't we start talking about a little bit about what we talked about in the bio here is like, what was it about Michael's work and your journey of exploring all this history that like lit you up and was like, aha, that's what I want to do this on. This is really mm. cool. Well, first, uh, pre really grateful and uh, appreciative to you both, Joel and Erasmus, for having me on. 
uh, it's a blessing to have people interested in uh, the novel. I guess myself as well, kind of hand in hand. Uh, let's see. I was, as the bio suggests, I've had a, as one, as one of my NLP mentors said, said uh, you prefer to catch the ride on the train by jumping head first onto the engine and, uh, you know, holding on. And that's pretty much how I do everything. I'm very intense. And with the so-called conspiracy analyst uh, stuff, uh, I had... 1996, we were in Cancun. We met David Icke. David Icke started uh, telling us uh, um, off the record a lot of his adventures of things going on, uh, which uh, one of them included uh, people who had confided in him about uh, seeing reptilians. Uh, I had a friend out here. I moved to Kentucky in 1994. There's a friend out here who has seen uh, outside his windows uh, what he called the demons or devil I just call them you know it sounds a lot like a reptilian I've had my own paranormal experiences where uh, you know I was four years old and then later it actually 1991 or two I saw the same being again and uh, I got friends who a friend of mine when he was about 12 or 14 or something like that he and his mother two nights in a row saw a gigantic spaceship over top of their uh, houses in uh, Pennsylvania so um, then I had a sister who she had seen in Edmonton, Alberta. And you see a lot of things with the sun. As the sun's is setting, its rays are coming obliquely at an angle. And they will uh, show you uh, devices that are uh, designed to hide. So you can't see them straight on. But if you're looking at them, see that what you know you look at saying something peripherally outside of your uh, vision it'll catch your uh, eye more than will something right directly in your face and it's the same thing with the uh, with that and so she saw the triangular uh, spaceship the first uh, triangular spaceships we saw on tv were spaceships or ships like a pie uh, that was actually in the x-files uh, the x-files whistle blew a whole ton of stuff uh, ironically at the same time when i was in vancouver kind of having my, uh, I don't know, welcome to the, uh, you know, taking all sorts of red pills. And so as far as looking, so I was thinking, well, yeah, I could go write nonfiction, but um, uh, see, I ran into David Icke first and nothing against it, but then I ran into Michael Tessarian, Michael Tessarian, who was uh, working with uh, uh, Jordan Maxwell and a host of others, and he was involved um, heavily with psychology. A lot of people say that, well, David Icke said psychology, but uh, I've actually gone looking for articles and I don't see any specific articles about psychology, whereas Michael will get into uh, uh, studiers, Freud, Young, uh, Freud's uh, uh, wife, um, wife, if I recall, uh, you know, various other people, like a whole host litany of uh, researchers. And so while I was, see, at first I was looking for, ironically, I was going to go write, uh, I was watching the movie, uh, and I think it's the last movie we've seen about a strong female character, and one who uses her wits, one who uses her physical charms to uh, get, do what needs to be done, and that, and that was uh, Aaron Brockovich. And Aaron Brockovich is essentially about... Uh, 
uh, call it man versus the uh, institution, uh, the institution which is clearly evilly um, just set on the appearance trying to make money, but really there's more going on with that. And I thought, well, maybe I could do something like uh, that. And so I was gonna, I started actually investigating vaccines uh, at the time, which was, this is, oh, I don't know, 2009-ish or something like that, or eight or whatever. And then I, but I was also into Michael's uh, research and I thought, well, why don't we just go for it? You know, you get killed, you get killed. And I thought, well, let's bring up this whole dragon court. Let's bring up the Great Wives Club. Let's bring up the whole litany of the, these characters because no one else has written about them. They just haven't. And not in a fictitious way. And I was thinking of the, the success with the Da Vinci Code as far as getting people intrigued with the institution of Christianity um, which is a completely different world than one's personal use of collective religion. And so uh, I had, was thinking more and more about this whole Atlantis thing. And then I was thinking, well, they, they must have died out, but you got these descendants left over. Do you like what they've done with the place? And I'm thinking, yeah, okay, descendants of Atlantis. I want to have a title that actually at a glance explains what it is. Um, like Lord of the Rings, it's really a metaphor for uh, a ring being an organization and the Lord lording over, manipulating such organizations. These organizations are ancient cults and uh, which Tolkien was talking about the same thing. And so I thought, okay, well, let's rock and roll with that. And then uh, that took me into, uh, it's one thing to read even my novel. It's one thing to read my novel with the intent just to enjoy it. It's another thing to read it with the intent to explain it to someone else. Also, you got to be focused. You got to be making notes uh, because you might at least to yourself be going, well, uh, what do you mean by the, um, all of the tunnels or where are these tunnels come from? Uh, and, and all of the things that he's got in the novel. Uh, there's tunnels, there's aliens, there's um, there's Mach speed, Mach 3 uh, trains. Did he really dream all that stuff up? Did Jules Verne really dream up the submarine? Uh, <clears throat> wrong answer, Sparky. So no, uh, no, no, no. And so uh, I kept adding as much as I could into this novel, which would hopefully compel someone to go, uh, maybe he's crazy, but let's go and see what all that is. The names of these characters, who is that? Uh, Meritot and Scotia, Scotia, uh, uh, the uh, Scoda, eh, I heard that uh, in Canada, Scotia Bank, uh, Scotland. Uh, no, it couldn't be, could it? No one would really, in plain sight, be hiding uh, the, uh, you know, one of the main daughters of Akhenaten, who, uh, interestingly, uh, who was it? Uh, yeah, Freud. Freud was uh, wrote, uh, was warned by his colleagues, ah, don't go write that book. Which book? Oh, the one that uh, Moses and, uh, was it Moses and Akhenaten? Uh, no, no, no. Uh, good. It was Moses. Yeah, but is that the title of the novel? Um, I'm not sure the title name. This is, any, this is, anyhow, this is what I want to get into. Actually, yeah. Pardon? But this, this, is, this is what I'm interested in. So, um, I'm not personally, I'm not familiar with Michael's work on Atlantis and perhaps the listeners wouldn't be either. So what I'm curious in is what's the actual historical foundation for the book in terms of Atlantis itself from the most basic level? What, what, what is 
what is the story of Atlantis and the from from the perspective of the historical side of things not necessarily a book the premise of the okay. book uh historically the atlantis or the nephilim let's just those, those are the same race okay that uh, that came from the sky the visitors from the sky uh other they're known by other names angels uh and so it appears that we have strange races. In fact, if, uh, so the foundation ultimately is that uh, we have Homo sapien, Cro-Magnon man, for example, just kind of came out of nowhere. And depending upon the uh, dates given for the uh, anthropological skeletal remains of say uh, Cro-Magnon man, that's so many thousands of years ago, and it just appeared, just poof, like somebody threw them out of the airplane and there they are. And whereas it doesn't jive or sync up with anything, the, then you've, so you've got archeological uh, evidence of anthropological beings that all of a sudden appear out of nowhere. You have uh, geographical changes in the earth where you have say the Rocky Mountains very quickly were formed. At, I think at the peaks of some of these newer mountain ranges, you have uh, the uh, fossil remains, well, now they're fossil, of uh, marine life that's there. It's like, okay, used to be marine, now it's not. Uh, you know, it's just do the math, how'd that happen? Um, you have uh, mythology, which is a... Uh, the officials have decided you've got official history. And then if it's anything older, it's mythology because we said so. And well, yeah, but the mytho mythologists or all those spoken stories, all they all across the world speak about a serpent race. That uh, doesn't mean that they're reptilian, but serpent was wise and they're all over the place. And they uh, seem to have the dates seem to be about the same. The ancient India Vedas uh, have their written text, which uh, go and correspond with uh, actual changes in the stars that they would go and see from, you know, their horizon, the view of the horizon. And they could tell using their math of the, uh, you know, that kind of astrogeometry, I suppose we call it, that the earth's uh, tilt on its axis has changed. That lines up with uh, with what appears to be uh, atomic uh, in the uh, fossil in the geological uh, strata. There's uh, atomic residue that cert that which shows that that there was a big atomic war of some sort, uh, which goes along with the big mythologies and the religious texts, which are nothing more than talking about the old mythologies. And it becomes one big whoop-de-doo of there was a war. And, and when was this war? This war appears to have ended about 10,000 BC. And about the same time when it ends is when you're, they, see, they've gone and uh, messed around with the dates, but about the time it ends is when these so-called ice ages seem to uh, be hovering around. And it's like nothing to see here. We got ice ages, which lasted forever. Um, but then a lot of scientists actually questioned that. Um, and 
So it's very intriguing. All of a sudden there was these Nephilim, they show up and the stories are that they were uh, making, um, building, building. I think that was actually in the uh, original Old Testament or something like that, uh, races. And so that sounds a lot like uh, uh, making things in a lab, uh, genome research, whatever you want to call it. And uh, hypothetically, the reason was is because they uh, didn't bring any females with them, so they couldn't make their own kind. They tried to make their own kind, but they were much taller and bigger than the uh, earthlings that were there at the time. And so they burst out of their bodies, destroyed the uh, mother upon birth. And so then they you know, started making races. That come, when you combine it all with the collage, that's what it points at. So um, the naysayers, they, uh, you know, they typically go with, well, I don't believe it. So, you know, that's my out. I'm opting out because I don't believe it. So, so you're saying that these Nephilim Atlanta, Atlanteans that through genetic manipulation created more humanoid, human-like, and also is there an, like a secondary race, like the reptilians? Was, so they're, are they both descendants of these Nephilim? Yes. Uh, you know how in Lord of the Rings you had uh, where Tolkien wrote about they're making all these different races? Yeah. Such as Minotaur, all that sort of thing. We've like got the, that. The, orc, the orcs and stuff? Yeah, we got that beyond... Uh, Tolkien as well. In fact, Neanderthal. Uh, Neanderthal and Bigfoot, they're the same thing. You start research, you want to go on a wild ride, you start looking at uh, Bigfoot, of which uh, last I looked into it, there were 50,000 tracks. Tracks. Yeah, of which, uh, to digress a little bit on that, any, uh, there's a researcher that he passed away, but he said that uh, a track expert showed him now how you could, like, if you take your you know, skin, your skin, when it goes into the earth, it will make uh, marks, tracks in the mud, which show as it flexes through it. He says, you can't do that with the rubber foot. You just can't. He says, it, he says I can point it out to you, he says it's night and day, and they can tell by the gate uh, and everything that uh, the uh, Neanderthal and the so-called Sasquatch, in fact, you've got the uh, Oh, a little bit on that. Uh, you've got the um, that Super 8 film in the 60s where it shows that's a female. You can tell it's female because you can see her breasts. She walks away quickly, you know, and you can tell that her arms are much longer than a human's. Her gait is completely different. And uh, what they don't tell you there's always what's not what's omitted and what was omitted was that uh, she walked across sand the, the depth of her tracks were something like an inch and a half or two inches whereas a 200 pound man only went in a quarter inch thus you did they did the weight and they figured that she was between 350 and 400 pounds he said if a man was carrying around 350 to 400 pounds of weight how far would he get in the woods now with with these like the, with the sasquatch or the bigfoot is that like when you when you hear about people talking about in like the truth community like giants? Is that similar? Or is that a separate thing? I think it's all. It's like going back to okay, did they make a bunch of races? It sounds like they did. Uh, there are two stories of uh, Atlantis. There's one where uh, they made their first race, the Sons of the Serpent, what became the Lemurians. I've adopted that for the novel. And the sons and the sons of the serpent, uh, real, you know, were like a blend of the hominoids of uh, Earth, uh, 
uh, so they were in tune with nature and then they had the uh, intellect of the Atlanteans and they realized that uh, the Atlanteans were psycho. Uh, ironically, and this has been hinted at by Gene Roddenberry with the Vulcans, the Vulcans are purely logic and, any, and if you've met anybody who is purely logical, they're very cold. They might play chess like a bandit, but they're very cold and they will end your life without a moment's thought if it's logical. And so getting it's kind of like, back- kind of like Joel, it's kind of like Joel. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Yeah, yeah. So multiple races. So, so uh, the, the story goes with that version is that uh, Sons of the Serpent, then they, they took off. Yeah, the Atlanteans didn't see that coming. They took a bunch of their hardware with them. They waited like 200 years. Supposedly they lived 750 years. And they uh, took off to uh, Oceana, which is in the Pacific Ocean, uh, Atlantis or Appalachia. That continent was in the Atlantic Ocean. The northern part of it was actually the British Isles, uh, which is why uh, when they say go look west, in fact, the, uh, the words to the song of uh, mm, Stairway to Heaven is uh, talking about the west and that's west of Ireland. Ireland is Ari land, and the Ari is the, um, well, the Atlant, the, the, the Lemurians. Um, so they made another race. This was called the Edemic race. The Edemic race was deliberately dumbed down, made smaller, um, hello, and uh, due to its broken DNA, some today's alleged scientist calls it junk DNA. You have a junk mind running around who really has trouble, even us, connecting too many dots. And so that was all fine. They had their labor back in, in uh, labor force back in gear. And but that the uh, uh, new Lemurians, or sorry, the Lemurians decided, oh well, we're not uh, <laughs> excuse me, going to take that line down. So we're going to go and uh, steal as many as them we can, and. Uh, so the Atlanteans decided, well, this means war. Then they had a war and they blew the place to bits and they sunk uh, two or four continents, depending on how you look at it. Geo, uh, lot, geological and archaeological and geographical evidence show that there were there are sunken continents. Um, and so you got that. The other story. Hang on. Is, so Carrie, Carrie, what you're saying is that, so you're saying that we, um, uh, we we're a dumbed down byproduct of genetic manipulation. Yeah, yeah. In fact, uh, it's even hinted at with the whole uh, virgin story. Mm-hmm. Jesus was born of a virgin, really. So she didn't have sex, but magically she gave birth. Okay. Or Mary is an organization, and Mary gave birth without sex, meaning out of the lab comes a race. And I've been told, well, that's pretty crazy. I don't know if I can go with that kind of story. Oh, so you're going to stick with the way in a manger story then? Yeah. Well, you also, pick your story. Well, also, if I look around the world and the, what's going on today, it mm-hmm. sure seems like there's a dumbed down race. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know. Yeah. I mean, there's 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 astro theological explanations for the for the virgin story as well. Um, which wouldn't entail the genetic manipulation side, but I mean, I'm 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 open to it, man. I'm not I'm not closing it off off by any means. Um, we hear we hear of Anunnaki as well in 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 this picture. Is this does this fall into the Nephilim category as well? I think Anunnaki and Nephilim are the same. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, there's various names. Yep. Visitors from the sky. It's just uh, Cro-Magnon man, Homo sapiens makes no sense at all. Mm-hmm. Like if, if you stop going along with the uh, official stories and the so and the um, official research, they just showed up. There's nothing there. It just all of a sudden they're there. They don't. Uh, what's in it's in uh, Darwin and his evolution. Don't get me started on that. <laughs> Tell us. Pile of bullocks. But even he had, he said it was bullocks. And in fact, they had a name for it before. If, correct me if I'm wrong. Before. Uh, uh, whatever he was calling it, I think it was. Uh, there was kind of a darker word that they had for it. I forget what it was. It might have been eugenics. I don't know. Anyhow, uh, where was I going? Can I just share something real quick? It's actually from Michael's website that kind of talks mm-hmm. that talks about this. It's the quote from his yeah. Atlantis Aliens Atlantis Genetic Manipulation. It goes a summary. It took man over a million years to progress from using stones as he found them to the realization that they could be chipped and flaked to better purpose. It then took another 500,000 years before Neanderthal man mastered the concept of stone tools and a further 50,000 years before crops were cultivated and metallurgy was discovered. Hence, by all scales of evolutionary reckoning, we should still be as far removed from any basic understanding of mathematics, engineering, or science. But here we are, only 7,000 years later, landing probes on Mars. So how did we inherit this wisdom and from whom? That's from Lawrence Gardner. Right. So uh, clearly we have some consultants out there. Mm-hmm. Um, interesting to think about. Pardon? It's, it's interesting to think about. And it's yeah. like, we're Absolute, having a Absolutely. Right. Yeah. And uh, as, as uh, I wrote actually an article in my blog about uh, beliefs and uh, they're talking about how uh, thinking is the act of uh, asking questions really. And so, uh, unfortunately, when we get to the, like the, the dumbed down batch of humans, which seems there's a good third, and then you get another third, which is, I actually read an article which says, you got a third out there, which are just total dumbasses. Then you got another third, which go along with anything, pretty much just to uh, keep the status quo so they can keep their barbecues, and football games going. Then you got the, the other third, which is uh, very, you know, people that ask questions, and uh, at least get philosophical and ask psychological questions. Yeah, I have a little extra Nephilim DNA. I think that's why. <laughs> why not? I'm I feel sure. like a bloody alien. Just, yeah. just. I mean, listen, you kind of have to be an alien to write this book. I'm just saying, dude. Show everybody. Yeah, look, look at that. That's thick. That's thick. It's a thick book. Yeah. But don't be scared of it, okay? Like. It's, it's a great book. The font is, you know, not, not super small, you know, but not big either. It's amazing. I highly recommend getting it, taking a few days and reading this. This is so much fun to read. You'll like be really excited. I can't wait till you re- write a sequel and then someone purchases the rights to it and makes like a movie or a series out of it. All right. So, so can you please explain to us the beginning, the middle, the end of the major plot twists, all the characters? <laughs> I'm joking. Sure. Yeah. Okay, right. so yeah, so so okay, you go, you go, Joel. I was gonna say, so obviously, um, you have history, training, education with NLP. What is NLP on the most basic, fundamental level for someone that's never heard those three letters before? 
Neurolinguistic programming, got into it, uh, started reading about it uh, around 1988 or something like that, got uh, trained in it up the wazoo in 1991. Neuro means the mind, linguistic is language. Programming is programming just like a computer. Mm -hmm. And you got a flow chart, uh, enter this, do this. If this happens, do that. If that happens, do this. Uh, Repeat as necessary. It's the closest I've seen to a manual for the mind. Uh, It was created by uh, Richard Bandler and John Grinder. One of them was a behavioralist. uh, The other was a uh, computer programmer, I think at the time, and this is the 70s. And so they took three three people that they were aware of that uh, could, quote, fix anybody. One of them was Milton Erickson which Erickson hypnosis comes from. They ask these people, well, how do you do it? And they go, I don't know. I mean, they didn't. I just do it. And so they started breaking things down uh, into procedures. And they um, were quite imaginative, quite creative. And so language, oh, I will say a lot of people, 99% of the people out there blow off NLP like, nah, I don't need to know it. I don't need to know how my mind works because I can talk, I can move my limbs and I've got opinions. Yeah. Can, can, can you give us a basic example of how it's applicable and how we can use it? Sure. You, the, the fast, one of the areas where it's not really NLP, but, but uh, court of law, at least before it became so corrupt, you had to go and uh, you would have during a lawsuit, so to speak, you would have uh, the attorneys and eventually the judge, maybe a jury using, they would use whatever you said, you make, make claims of, it would be uh, analyzed as in what would a reasonable and rational thinking person think about what you had to say. They also, uh, they use dictionaries. They have legal dictionaries in uh, with the uh, legal system. Black's Law Dictionary, for one. There's uh, some older ones. And I was actually been talking about this a lot at, as of late. Uh, I, tell, I was telling some people the other day because they wanted to deal with the uh, being forced to uh, go along with the new uh, yeah. uh, fake mandates and everything. The and so I says, look, I says, you will not succeed unless you use their words against them yep. i says yep. they're making a claim you have to deconstruct the claim and break down the word so what nlp does in a nutshell is um and there's a lot of it a lot to it more than just words there's a behavior there's touch there's uh different types of uh they get into the senses uh, ironically the sense you have the uh, sensory faculties, you have uh, visual on, visual eyes, auditory hearing, kinesthetic touch, uh, and then you would all, but they also had at the time digital. And I'm, uh, this is, I'm in this in 1991. Digital was kind of rare, but people, uh, everybody has all of these faculties, uh, but uh, predominantly digital is taking over. Digital is literally nothing but words. You're not seeing, like a lot of people when they, 
don't read fiction because they do not visualize, imagine in their head what the scene looks like. They just see a bunch of words. And so imagine how exciting that is, right? Mm -hmm. And so uh, uh, with NLP, you attack the claim. Like what I, what I am blogging about is using NLP to attack the claim that somebody says to see what is there. NLP starts off with, if, it, if you can put it in a wheelbarrow, an elephant can go in a wheelbarrow, a whale can go in an elephant in a wheelbarrow, even you know, a very large wheelbarrow, because it's something that exists. If it is not something that exists, then it's something that is done, a verb, or you turn it into a verb. Sometimes you have a lot of words out there which are nothing. So then you got to go break it down. For example, I did a like a pandemic. I did a, a blog post on a pandemic. Pandemic yeah. is nuts, right? And ultimately, so I broke and I don't just use the legal dictionaries and regular dictionaries. So look at the entomology, the uh, origin of words. And so pan is all. So you have, and then uh, demic, actually uh, I broke it down to demise. So you have a large demise. Okay. Of what? Right. And this is if, and so in if I was in a courtroom, I would say, okay, you say there's a pandemic. You have a large demise of what? And you have to be careful with today's dictionaries because they have a lot of bullshit words in there. Like you look up pandemic and they'll say, well, it's a problem with the virus and a this and a that. Or, or really, who said? That's an opinion. That's an opinion. It's just, well, it's part of a virus. No, a pandemize could be anything. Uh, the big flood back in the, you know, in the Bible, right? 40 days, 40 nights of all this water. That's no virus. That's an abundance of rain or water. And so in this, so again, using NLP to break down the claim that we have a pandemic. Okay. Of what? We have yeah. a, right? So and you just go from there. Everything they say. Yeah. There is a virus. Okay. What is a virus? Yeah. So, they're, they're, so basically, um, they're trying to co-opt these words and attach them and create stories and narratives, which the words don't in, in fact in, entail. So by using the language in its literal sense, then we can begin to deconstruct what programming has been attached to the words in, in, in conversation. Is that what I'm gathering in a sense? Exactly. Yes. The, the one per, let's just call it the 1% is into NLP a billion percent. Yeah. You know, I am not exaggerating. The 99% are basically not into it at all. And that is pathetic because they are sh shooting you full of magical words. And most people just aren't interested. In fact, people, um, I, I've got comrades. So it goes, oh yeah, they're using mind control. Okay. Can you use details? Like what kind of, uh, you know, it's like, and then you just hear noises, right? It's just, no, you can't do that. You can't deal with the noises. You can't jump ahead to, uh, well, we got to vote in our politician to this and that and everything. Just no. You, uh, in fact, I've got some friends that are very good at this in the legal department. And they uh, constantly go and deal with the, uh, the words right off the bat. Um, yep. you never know what you're going to run into in that sort of sense. I hear about NLP in the coaching world too. Like, isn't like Tony Robbins or those type of people use that, but then maybe use that to, I don't know, 
Like, I feel like it can also be used like the 1% does to influence our thinking and get you to buy things and get you to do things. Is that correct? Oh, sure. Well, yeah, Madison Avenue advertising, that's, that's been into that forever. And as soon as when NLP was created, they just got a big woody on that. Uh, Tony Robbins, he was uh, Anthony Robbins, he was like the leading public face of that. And uh, as Tony said, uh, every time when he was, he didn't succeed all the time. But when he was on TV, he did succeed when you know, somebody came in with uh, say uh, they said they were afraid of snakes, he would work with them on the snakes, then they bring in a boa constrictor or something like that. And Tony says he's got to work on his issues with snakes right before he does that. So yes, that is all going on. And um, it's like people say, well, you got to have an open mind. Okay, let's be specific. How are you opening your mind? And the answer is with questions. See, I just says, how do you open your mind? That's a question. You have to use different types of questions. For example, most people go with why. Why that happened? What do you want me to do? What'd you do that for? They're very limited with their questions. Uh, one of the first questions that caught my eye when I was in, being trained with NLP was, uh, how do you know? Think about it. How do you know? There's a pandemic. How do you know? Yeah. Well, because uh, Fauci said so. You know, it's just, well, okay. Well, well, let's just pretend this is way back when you first heard about it. Well, he's, you know, it's like, when, in fact, the way I was, when I heard that there was this uh, pandemic, something like that. I was just, well, how do you know? And I'm hearing a bunch of stuff. And I'm like, okay, there's something. I expect to see uh, taxi car drivers and bus drivers and uh, people and the pilots, uh, you know, cracking up, vomiting and crashing their vehicles. Crickets, right? Okay, not going with it. Imagine yeah. the collective just heated the question, how do I know what I claim to know? Like, I think this right. would, uh, yeah, this this would really solve a lot of the um, the the incredible haze that we find ourselves in. Yes, I uh, actually wrote a blog post on well, several. Uh, one of you, you guys remember the first Matrix movie or the first Matrix movie? Yep. Yeah, of course. So I did a blog post on it: simulation and simulacracy, and. They were whistleblowing to you. This was not the Wachowski brothers writing as far as for that scene. Somebody else was just giving it away. And, they, and they're pretty much saying the matrix is you living in your head of beliefs. Mm. You, and because uh, Neo, Neo is uh, he's asleep and there's music going on. And uh, the uh, computer monitor starts talking to him, you know, talking to him. And you got to look at everything, every character in there, computing the, including the computer is, is representative of an organization, <clears throat> excuse me. And so Neo represents an organization. Anyhow, so he's there and he's asleep and it's just uh, yada, 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 wake up. Or he says something like, uh, follow the white rabbit. The white rabbit goes back to uh, um, Atlantean times uh, as far as symbolism goes. and. I forget what it means, but I do remember that. And it wasn't like evil or anything. It just is. Yeah. Well, I mean, Alice in Wonderland as well, I guess. Oh, yeah. Yep, yeah. Sure. Yeah. Neo goes, he hears a knocking on the door. And what is the door? Right. Everything, mm -hmm. everything's coded in this scene. The door is a path 
from one group to another group. He goes and he opens the door a crack and he looks and he goes, oh, it's you guys. Goes and closes the door. He goes to his bookshelf. A bookshelf is what? Knowledge. He goes and he pulls out a book. The book is Simulation and Simulacra. Why wouldn't I look that up? Was that a real book? It is. And the guy who wrote it, it says that we are fast as a society losing touch with our ability to perceive reality because we just live in our heads of beliefs. You know, and beliefs and reality are not the same thing. And so he goes and opens up the book. The book and the movie is carved out. It's hollowed out. So when you have a hollow figure, you have a straw man. It's not a real thing, right? So the knowledge, and he's pulling out digital information. So the written word is gone, right? Puts it back in the shelf. The neo-organization is flat out telling, whoever's watching this can decode this, that you are now going to get your information digitally, okay? They're also telling you that, uh, well, I'll leave that alone. So then he goes, opens up come the on, door. Come on, come on. You can't do that. What are they also telling us? <laughs> well, yeah, let's just go into breaking down the matrix. Let's no, 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 no. I'm going to leave it for, I got something actually much deeper that we can get into okay, uh, cool. later on. Um, yeah, I just actually been thinking about the last few days and my thinking process is pretty crazy. Um, so he goes and opens up the door and he, and he gives the guy, hands the guys the tapes and he says, I was never here. So what's the organization? These are basically the Masonic secret cults. I do not exist to what? The group he's handing it to is the public. Okay. Yep. The public is not aware of the Neo group. The hidden, they are hidden. I was never here. And he guy goes and takes it. Oh, thank you. You're my savior. Got it? Mm-hmm. You're my own personal Jesus Christ. That's what the guy said. It. They're flat out knocking you right there, saying that the hidden groups, we wrote all that up. Yeah, I know. Gonna lose some more friends with oh, he's so bad. He keeps knocking religion. You know, I'm not saying don't be spiritual. I'm not <laughs> saying being a good person. I'm saying, you know, figure it out. It's just oh, uh, I, I hear you. I hear you as well. I'm on, I'm on the, completely the same page. It, just, it blows my mind how, particularly in, in, in the truth community as well, people can claim to be truth seekers and claim to be for the truth, then all of a sudden get stuck at religion and get stuck in these belief yeah. systems and stuck at the dogma. It's like. What are we after? Are we after liberation? Liberate your mind from all of it. You know, it's like, why, why, yeah. what's causing that? Yeah. So with the scene, so, so the guy goes and takes it and then uh, they, they, they yik yak a little bit and, and then, uh, and then they talk him into coming with him. But uh, then there's a woman that's there. The woman's got the white rabbit on her shoulder. She is as far as for the, she is the female Illuminati. She is the great war, uh, wives, Great Royal Wives Club, of which Nefertiti was a member. Nefertiti was the handler of Akhenaten. And so anybody who thinks Akhenaten was the big pharaoh pulling the strings, <clears throat> wrong. And so that is the end of that. That scene is just amazing what is given away in that. And so, yeah. Um, I like your, uh, so I wrote about that. I like your Trump impression wrong i'm just i've got i've, I've got oh, this is that a trump e thing <laughs> no, i don't think he used to say that all the time i'm just making a joke i don't yeah. know i don't know this is my first search on what the white rabbit's a metaphor for but you tell me if it's if it sounds right the white rabbit for is a is a metaphor for following one's curiosity to an impossible land 
What makes this metaphor especially interesting is that Neo is in a way already in Wonderland and he's actually about to emerge from the rabbit hole. Yeah, it's older than that. It's, yeah. it's like, oh, it's the, definitely older it's than like, that. Yeah. yeah, it's like the, the goat, the goat is God, uh, supposedly God, God came from God, uh, you know, things like that as far as that word. Um, anyhow, well. Uh, is that why they call like the greatest athlete, like the greatest of all time for athletes? They call him the goat. So it's kind of like these gods. I don't know. I've heard of that. I just, that. And then you oh. also you have goat as as Baphomet. Is, is, there's a link there as well. Um, yeah. Yeah, Baph Baphomet, who could shape change into a uh, into a humanoid. Mm. That was interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and I mean ba ba Baphomet. I mean, the, the Baphomet is such a such a polarizing symbol and figure because at the same time, Baphomet is simply the sigil of the mystery school tradition, right? Baphomet means um, uh, is is just to bathe to bathe in wisdom. If if you break down the etymology the etymology of Baph and Metis, it's to bathe in wisdom. But then as well, this is being co opted as satanic and all the rest of it, um, transgender because it represents the masculine and the feminine. But people can get so scared of the symbols because we don't know the symbols, we don't understand them. So they they they're used to manipulate us. But if we could develop our symbolic literacy um, and understand right. these symbols and use them um, for our own benefit and to enhance our own knowledge, then right. yeah. As crazy as I appear and sound, uh, I'm actually very pragmatic. And NLP is uh, actually a very pragmatic tool. It's like okay, let's break down the words. It's uh, like say um, gender. You have this hierarchy of uh, in an NLP model. I forget what it is, but a hierarchy where at the very top it's spirit, and then below that is the identity. Identity, and the identity is uh, you know who you think you are, whatever it is, not your role, but you know uh, who who you see yourself as, stuff like that. But as far as uh, getting into say sex, you've got male and female. But when you have uh, a, a drag queen a drag queen is a role a tranny is a role that they've turned it into forget the actual operation if the person has it if you're dressing up as the opposite sex stuff like that okay you're in drag that's a role mm -hmm. in uh vancouver i unwittingly had moved into a gay neighborhood i just it was along the beach i liked it next thing i know i'm surrounded by gays they're kind of funny they 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 could tell in a second it's like uh are you gay and then even before the way the way he responded, it's like they looked at each other, nah, he's straight, says so, but and they knew all the girls, of course. And so uh, but that was just but they hated the flamers, as they call it. The guys typically, the women were quiet, but the, the guys they were just parading. Even Boy George is just going, Nah, you guys are just a bunch of attention whores that are per constantly parading, never turn it off. And uh, but you know, so anyhow, but yeah, using NLP, go break it down. It's just uh, identity politics. What do you mean by identity to identify with? Okay. Uh, are you the role? Are you a role? No. If you think about what is a role, it's a basically a character I'm playing. Well, then you can't be the character, can you? You know, it's mm -hmm. like, if you got a pair of nuts down there, or you don't. The costume. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. The costume. Uh, the clothes don't make the man. Um, they don't. You know, it's just. 
how did you get into all, like what what first drew your interest in neurolinguistic programming well well nlp but even just like i kind of just want to hear like not briefly because i know you love you know you're a storyteller but like what was like your childhood like what 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 was that like that led you on this path and and i'm different i just okay. am i just i'm different i've always been different as far as um it's like my wife's uh, father said i've never met anyone answers ask so many questions i've got that so much uh i've had so many people say you're so deep you know it's just i've i'm a lot of people think that i think I'm the smartest guy in the room. No, I think I'm a, one of the most aware people in the room. I have a super high level of awareness, not just, and I've actually, I've been tested. It's not only uh, logical, you know, on the uh, left brain side, but also the right brain side, extremely intuitive, almost psychic. And I suppose it's so yeah I just questioned things from day one grew up in Canada I I started reading before I was I don't know around two years old or something like that I got two older sisters they decided well let's play let's play school so you know start teaching me the alphabet things like that uh then so I started reading books um and a lot of people they don't believe it uh, nobody could you know read that early yeah and so, but I would question things. I remember when I saw the money and uh, you got this queen on the back of the money and it was Queen Elizabeth. And I says, well, who's that? Well, that's the queen. I don't know if Canada had a queen. Well, it doesn't. Well, what's she doing on the money? It's our money. You know, I didn't quite see it that way, but it's our money. Well, we're part of this Commonwealth that, you know, it's just, and then you're hearing the adults and it's just, that's ah, a story. You know, it's just, you don't really quite put it, put it together, but part of you is just going, eh, it's like, it's like one of the fables or something and it's just not adding up then there was uh uh christianity so then we go to church and we we're at the you know uh we were anglican but we were just we're, we we're never diehards but so we go show up this little church it's a little church i don't know con maybe six rows of pews ten rows of pews stuff like that not like out here which is uh you know in the north part of the bible belt uh, they make it a uh, industry uh and so i'm there and we're, we're reading this, you know, I could already, already read. And so uh, these guys are yakety yakking about whatever, probably doing the sermon or something. I'm reading this book and, uh, and it says something, yada, 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 for I am a, I am a jealous God and there will, shall be no other gods than me. And I'm thinking, and I said to my mom, I says, and I'm looking up at her because, you know, he's tall. And, and I said, isn't that against the rules? And she chuckles and she says, why don't we go ask the, the minister? That's what the priest was called, was the minister. And so, okay. And so, uh, so I'm like four years old or something like that, four or five or whatever. So she goes and takes me, you know, to see him after the service. And, uh, you know, he's standing there and she's like, yeah, so I got, uh, my son has a question for you. And he's looking at me like cute kid, you know, like, uh, you know, it's like, how do you like, he's probably thinking about the color of the robe or this or that, or did you like the, you know, the building? And I says, yeah. I'd be, so, I'd be uh, worried if a priest said to you, cute kid to carry well yeah right yeah i never even thought of that but uh yeah and i wasn't meaning it that way i was just so so i go and i open up the book and i'm reading from it so he's he, he looks at me and i says yeah it says right in here da, 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 for i'm a jealous god and the shot of no other god but me what's with that 
you know, whoever. And uh, he looks at me, he looks at my mom, kind of like, is this for real? And she just grins, kind of like, see what I, see what I got to deal with? And, uh, and he goes, <laughs> well, and then he just, da, 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 da. And I just closed the book and I thought, yeah, it's all bullshit. He's just, <laughs> that's he's incredible. Just, I just, right there, I'm just, I'm calling bullshit on the that's whole incredible. thing. But like that, that, that's kind of you applying NLP that's without me. even knowing what NLP was at four, at four years old. No, like, no, it's just, uh, I had a intuitive sense. The guy, to, he didn't even, I mean, it's his own thing. He doesn't know how to answer it. He's like, he's defending God. Yeah. Well, I'm a yeah. I got to go and break the rules because I'm God. I'm the big kahuna and I can do whatever we want. And you guys can't. And I'm thinking, and of course, the world's a mess. I could tell that already from my little vantage spot. You know, the parents weren't happy. They were having fights. We were poor. And so if we're poor and the world is so great and we got this God looking for out for everybody and yet we're handing money on this plate, money that we didn't have and I'm just, eh, eh, you know. So yeah, I've always been at school. Oh yeah, I was. So I heard of this school thing, right? And so I didn't go to kindergarten because you gotta be kidding me. It's just, uh, so I'm already, my dad was teaching us math. So I was already uh, learning to write and to print math. I could read books, like, I mean, well, um, out loud as well. And then I go to grade one and, and I'm figuring, okay, this, this school thing's going to be great. You know, we're going to go and see, is there how all the adults, this is what I'm thinking. All the adults work together and we're going to, you know, and we're, I didn't even know what overview was, but they would go and say, okay, all your adults are all working together and they're all making sure that we got cars and clothes and food and we make the roads and there's paint and electricity and all this other stuff. I was expecting something like that. Instead, I get class, class, and half the kids are feral and clueless and then the teacher, I could tell, really didn't know anything. Start over the first week asking the odd question is kind of looking at you like, you're asking questions? You know, a little kid. And she was my aunt also. Oh, I hate questions. Yeah. <laughs> Not only aunt. was she a teacher, she was my aunt. Okay. And so, okay. uh, yeah. And I was just, uh, I remember coming home, telling my mom just, but you know what? I My greatest fear was realized in that the adults didn't know any more than the kids. Yeah. So that was me long before NLP, and then I would ask questions throughout school. Then I was, honestly, for, for me, school was a waste of time. Absolutely, it's a waste of time. I mean, we, we go and get our minds molded for approximately 15,000 hours by, by, by the time we're finished by the, these systems, these indoctrination systems, people that we often don't even know by strangers to our parents right? Like the fact that this has become so normal within our society as the means of raising a child, it's, it, it, is, it, it is the biggest psyop. And it's, it's probably the foundation for the mess that we find ourselves in more than anything else, right? All we're taught is how to obey, how to comply, um, how to put all our real innate passions and desires and self-directed learning to the side for, for what someone else tells us is good for us. Um, and I mean, yeah. you, you, you talk about the, 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 the basis of um, the psychological mess that we find ourselves in. Man, look at school. That's, that's, that's where it starts. Yeah, it just kind of blows my mind again that like 
I'm not a parent, but if I was, that you just drop your kids off to this place for eight hours. And very often you have no idea what they're even being taught. Yeah. Right. But again, it's just this cycle because their parents did it to them. And so this is what we do. Because if we don't do that, what does that mean? What are the alternatives? What else is there? Yeah, exactly. Uh -huh. But and then, then it's the fear of the unknown. And the fear of the unknown means, oh, I've got to think for myself. I've got to be responsible for myself. And no, no one can do that. We can't have that, right? So there's, we, we fall into the trap of, yes, whatever you say, whatever, whatever you fill it with is the path that I'm going to take. Right. And fear of the unknown. Let's, let's analyze that a little bit. Sure. Ultimately, it, it's, can one admit that and actually state, I don't know. Right. So in school, they ask, well, what is the answer to da da, da 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 Right. And who do they punish? Those who don't know. So nobody mm. wants to say, I oh, don't know. Wow. Right? Remember, there's the details that you're being taught in school, but they're really concerned about what you're learning through context. There is an authority. You will not question authority. You will swallow it hook, line, and sinker. You will not. Um, you will be afraid to say, I don't know. Yeah. Which is real pain in the butt and say, I like I work in IT and you've got people, you, you run into these people, they got to have an answer for everything. Excuse me. And yeah. most people are bringing out that stuff out of the belief hat. Let me, uh, you know, grab a belief and just, ah, it's like that because it's yeah. like asking yeah. for directions. And yeah, that's right. And that's why we have an epidemic of people that are pretending that they know right now. Repeaters. Right, exactly yeah yeah it just uh and i can't it's like amongst my own gang hardly anybody's read read my novel mm -hmm. i don't know why i just I have... uh, <laughs> yeah i i know I yeah, yeah but yeah it's wonderful that you did but it's not so much as you read the novel it's that uh, you know, I wrote that thing because there's enough philosophical arguments in there that if we just live like that, this world would be completely different. If we invest, the, the novel covers uh, thematically, say, a monster on both sides. What is it like to be monst monstrous or monstrous? You know, and is a monster really monstrous because it looks like a monster or because it behaves like a monster? Emphasis mm. on the behavior. Yeah. Truth is in the behavior. Oh, yeah, that's another thing that I learned through NLP was that, uh, well, and, and then I would, uh, in the 80s, we had all these books on uh, making it, getting rich, and um, well, not really getting rich, being successful. And it's not only did you have Tony Robbins say Unlimited Power, which he wrote to, uh, it was, he wrote it, he said to, uh, so you could have self power, power over yourself be self-confident, deal with your issues, stuff like that. And he was dismayed to find that uh, we got all these uh, people going, eh, we can sell all kinds of stuff using this. This is awesome. And he was, no, that's not really why I wrote it. You know, yeah, you can be successful in business and I want you to, but, uh, you know, help people. Um, nah, you know, what? why would deal with that? So yeah, behavior. Um, it's, it's this simple. You go buy a used car. The car was in a flood. They dried it out, they replaced the carpet, and the salesperson avoided telling you that the car was in a flood. What people avoid saying 
and doing speaks the loudest yeah. if you can catch them. Yeah, the, the 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 truth is more so in what's not said than what's actually said. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah, man. Um, Earlier, you said that you have a deeper analogy for us than the Matrix in terms of. Oh yeah, right, right. Uh, so I'm going to do a podcast on, or um, I'm going to do. Okay, well, can we take a quick break for like yeah, for uh, sure. a minute or something? I just got to. Uh, I got to go close the window. I'd open the window and it's it's cold, so I got to. Right, pause it. All right, cool. Let's do it. What were we talking about? We were talking about that other analogy. Okay, so in my in my uh, blog, I am uh, essentially delving into the. I decided at first I was going to do do the blog from the perspective of an insider in the in underworld, but I just find that there's a necessity to go and get people to realize that the mindset that they have is like every, Michael Desarian talks about this, essentially the mindset of people uh, individually is given us everything you see around you for better or worse. And if they don't understand how that mindset is uh, programmed and or, uh, or not and just running willy nilly, forget it, we're, we're never gonna get anywhere. And so I thought I need to go and, and uh, NLP is very useful for me. So I thought, okay, let's start writing about this. And first I did simulation simulacra. I says, uh, then I says, well, what's the mindset causing your face, fate? Then there was one, uh, the misinformed fatal gamble. It, I realized that people with this whole COVID thing, the whole vaccine thing is they're betting the, they're unconsciously. And if you ask them, they'll just say, ah, it's fine. It'll be fine. They're betting the farm everything, their life, their children's life on everything, that'll be fine. Eventually, it'll be normal. They'll, flat, they'll tell you if you push them. And so that's, that's ignorance at its best right there. And then the, uh, there's a contempt for uh, even knowing anything outside your, your beliefs. Most people are not even aware that there is. They just, I believe, belief is. You know, it's the is, this is, the world is, mm. people are, right? Black people are, white people are, brown people are, yellow people are. It's very matter spicy, of fact. Spicy food is, you know, it's beliefs. Well, I mean, you can have an experience which backs it up, right? Thai food is hot. Yeah, that'll, it's very hot, sure. Um so, and so I'm leading, there's a path. If you start with my articles, I'm getting more and more complex. And I was thinking about, well, okay, I want to write about the, um, I remember I said that I had, uh, I got training in channeling. Mm -hmm. And so I channel my intuition. And so my intuition is even in the novel. And um I had, I got training in it, but then there was uh, Abraham Hicks, which my wife actually went and saw in, I think, Ohio or something like that. 
and she was channeling. And uh, when she met her, she said uh, when she was in the channel state, uh, she says her eyes, she sensed like a very dark presence and she was being sucked into them. And it was, you know, frightening. And yeah, well, there's this video footage now of her channeling and then recommending the vaccine from, from Abraham. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's, that's a shock. Yeah. Um, so, so I, so I've got this. I went online with my uh, intuition, my hunches, just through sheer will. A lot of people, in fact, uh, aren't into willpower. They're just like, like I was talking to a friend the other day, and it's just, uh, you know, she would prefer to uh, not be as heavy as she is physically, you know, fat. And uh, it's just, oh, I don't have the willpower for it for that. I says, well, you got to start. You got to build your willpower, just like you got to go in the gym. And it's just, nah, nah, I can't. Can't or won't, right? We're back to the words. And I remember that in NLP. Mm -hmm. Change the words until it gets you moving. You know, it's, and uh, um, so anyhow, the, uh, so my, process actually with fiction and nonfiction is uh, I will incubate incubate uh, for a period of time on some ideas and things like that and I could also I could sense in fact I can even start writing something down now I can recognize when something's forming is going yeah this could be good could be could be a pile of crap but it could be good and so uh, I was coming up with that first, uh, this was like a couple of weeks ago, I think, Beliefs, the Land of Fairy Tales. You know, that was kind of me and my uh, sarcasm. You know, people living, you know, Twilight, then I just wrote down, like I had this idea, and I think before I went to bed, I just wrote it down, Twilight Zone, uh, looking through, you know, through the looking glass, alternate reality in any ways. So then I was thinking about what am I gonna write about next? And when I'm thinking about that sort of thing, the muse sooner or later, you know, wakes up off the couch and just decides, okay, let's go and look, look at this thing. And so then yesterday, a bunch of stuff came pouring in and a whole bunch more start pouring in today. And it has to deal with, uh, seeing it's a bunch of things and this won't be eloquent, but essentially for a lot of people, seeing is believing. If they see it, then it's real, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. So let's look at our, uh, so we're going to compare nature to so-called civilization, because both are real. But one of them sustainable, uh, actually self-sustainable, and the other isn't. Nature is. For example, if you have an untouched, nobody's fooled with it, uh, mountain range, and within it are a bunch of rivers and lakes and flora and fauna, I don't know if you guys they even have documentaries on dirt, how complex dirt is. Dirt has uh, little critters in it and bacteria and worms and bugs. And, and it just grows from there. And everything eats and feeds off everything else. And it has to rejuvenate itself. And the weather has to support it. The proper weather, not the geoengineered weather, which is actually harming and destroying things. It's ruining the system. Nature is very systemic. It is not at all... Um, uh, this bogus uh, well, anyways it's systemic and so there's a system that's there <clears throat> okay and it's a complete system whereas uh, I've got a potted plant 
And the potted plant is the human's version of nature. I scoop out some dirt and I put it in a pot and what is, and I put the plant in there. Okay, that's from nature, but what is now required? I need an external source of light. Okay, the sun, sure, okay. And, you know, hang it in front of the window or something like that. External source of water. Maybe an external source of uh, uh, nutrients. The key is it's external. What if you cut that off? What happens to the plant? Right? It's going to wither. Yeah. It's going to wither. Okay. Let's look at this. So you got somebody who's driving through the city. And the... That's uh, all right. Can we pause it for a sec? My dogs are barking like crazy. Sorry. We're back. Okay, so forgive me, I had to go and deal with the, the dogs and then I made a comment coming back, something like, man, I'm glad I don't have kids because you know, I'd kill myself and uh, of course my, my wife would be uh, dismayed. But uh, uh, anyhow, double backing, back, no, nothing. I was going to make a joke, but I, I'm going to leave it at that. I was gonna yeah. Doubling back, you guys were asking kind of like, well, how come you're the way you are? And uh, my, my parents got divorced and I could see that the, I was the youngest, you know, of three kids and the parents were not getting along. And now that I know what I know, the problem was, is that, uh, the enthrallment weared off. A lot of people, this is where you get into say, you know, using NLP and love. Or if you go look up Eric, Erich or Eric from F-R-O-M-M. Um, he goes and he actually wrote a book about the art of loving. And, and he goes and he breaks uh, love up into uh, four distinct qualities. And I actually get into that a little bit with the novel and I think one of the scenes. And uh, love is something you do, it's not something you have. And, uh, but when you meet someone and it's, oh, everyone's fluttering, it's like, oh, this and that, they can do no wrong or whatever it is. You are enthralled, but eventually every relationship becomes like the new car. The new car is no longer new and shiny. And then, you know, and we all got issues. Everybody got issues. All three of us got issues. Uh, and, you know, the kind of issue I'm saying that people would want to, you know, smother you with a pillow for those kind of issues, right? So you got to go and deal with them, have that sort of stuff and be flexible. I don't think my mother was. And so anyhow, yeah, um, it's interesting because I, I know that you're a member of Michael's Terrascope's mystery school as well. I'm not sure how well you've made the connections in terms of the astrological side, but your house four is ruled by Scorpio house four being the mother, being the root, being the family tree. So with Scorpio there, it's expected that you're going to have quite a chaotic and intense upbringing. Uh, but just sim sim simply based on that. Hmm. Yeah. Iris, Iris was born April 4th. That was my mother. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so, so I didn't want to duplicate that. You know, far, in fact, as far as I was concerned, I was just, um, parents got divorced, you know, the whole, the whole family went to hell, so to speak. And, uh, it took me a good 10, 15 years to uh, wrap my head around that. And anyhow. Um, I mean, I think that's, I mean, at the end of the day, it's like we're on our individual journey and some of us make the choice 
to create a family and other, other of us, we don't, you know, for whatever the reason. It's not like we can't, we can't paint everyone with the same brush. Everyone has to do this journey. Everyone has to follow this path. And so, and so that's part of it, you know? Right. And you right. have given birth to this. Right. Yeah. You know? Making the decision, making, go ahead. I was going to say, I'm just thinking about it even deeper astrologically, because I know your chart based on the terascopic system, you've got Virgo in house two. House two is how we make our money. Virgo is the writer, right? Literally. So it's, there's, there's never any coincidences in, in, in any wow. of this. Um, uh, and the, the, the way, the way that the basis and the premise of using the astrological insight is that we realize that we all have our unique karma which is given to us based on our upbringing being the root of the tree which is house four and and, and the midheaven house 10 which is the mom and the dad and the, the way our life unfolds is usually born out of whatever that experience was on some level you know what i mean so where where we're lacking in some areas where we're given in in other areas and this is applicable to all different chart designs yeah, I'd be interested in talking to you further about that. Uh, I, uh, yeah. You can go to joelrafiti.com and you can book a reading. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the. I might do that. Yeah, as you can tell, I, I like to, you know, be comic relief sometimes. <laughs> yeah. So back to. Uh, so this, yeah. So, so real, real quickly, because we, we, I love the stories and I love going on these tangents. But what was that analogy that, like, not the matrix? It was another analogy that we were right. Talking yeah, about. yeah. So I'm. Uh, we are okay. So I was talking about the potted plant. So our a little micro, a little tiny version of man's nature is the potted plant. Yep. And that's not nature. That's fake. Yep. Right. Yep. And it just, and then the more I started thinking about it and intuiting it all at the same time is we've set ourselves up in a zoo. People will tell you, oh, I don't care. Society is real. I'm driving on roads. There's all these buildings around. Yep. And it's real. Yeah. You know, it'll last because it's been around here. I mean, Philadelphia has been here for whatever, 300 years or so. It'll keep going. See, that's the thing. These people think it'll keep going. Mm -hmm. It's like 300 years is nothing compared to that mountain range. Yeah. There, in yeah. fact, the way we're living, there ain't going to be anything in yeah. a few hundred years. Nothing. Um, and, you know, be a lot of people. I never used to. I didn't realize that, but now I do. Uh, the way these lunatics are going is they're absolutely going to destroy everything which is hinted at in the novel as far as why. But yeah, I was thinking, so we're in this zoo and the zoo has been the city, the town, and you need the feeders, right? So you have all the people that bring the food. You know, you're not other than, you know, some victory gardens for a little blip there. We're going to a grocery store, which is seeing, you know, you got, you know, what do you got at the zoo? You got the guy who's feeding the animals. So we're, we're being fed by the grocery store. You got the water that's being plumbed in. You got the power, electricity, and then we live in our little cages, our houses. Right. <laughs> Excuse me. The new normal is clearly not wanting us to leave the cage anymore. Forget the zoo, you're staying in your cage. Yeah. And even this latest meta uh, bullshit where Facebook's renaming itself to meta 
and the so-called uh, virtual reality, there is no virtual reality. It's in here. And we're already bamboozled into thinking that, uh, well, Carrie's crazy and society is the buildings. See, it's like seeing is believing. Yeah, I believe that we are for real because we got houses and streets and light switches and everything. Yeah, but nobody knows, just like with the mind, nobody knows other than the guys that work about it, in it, about the infrastructure and just how uh, much it's hanging on a thread, mm -hmm. the power, mm -hmm. the wiring, uh, whatever it takes to go and build a house. It just doesn't last. Termites in the South here can wipe your house out pretty easily. If you stop and look at all these shutdowns we're having, right? Supply chain shutdowns. You shut things down enough. And uh, well, in New York, they, the firefighters aren't fighting the fires. And so they're, you know, burn, baby, burn, literally. And uh, so, yeah, so it's just... Um, that's that's what it became to me the new normals the cages in our house feeding us with the internet and um i hear you man yeah and yeah. The, 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 there's no doubt from even the overarching perspective that the entire premise is to co-opt nature and, and to give us a, a pseudo reality right as a pseudo cage a pseudo zoo whatever it might be and the problem is we become so attached to this illusion um, and what, what happens when your foundation is illusion? Well, what, what's everything that you're going to build, build in, entail? How sustainable is that going to be when the foundation is, oh, this, this reality is going to last forever, you know? Um, and, uh, I mean, there's, 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 there's so much psychological implementation, um, implications just exploring that issue. Well, look, look at the uh, quality of, uh, customer service that you get anymore. Yeah. It's just, you get people who overall they don't care they can't connect the dots they uh, you know talk to someone else and you never talk to the same person it's just um it's ludicrous i, I you know they can't follow along and this whole uh luda let's let's just call it like it is the uh like with geoengineering itself, which again, people want to pretend it doesn't exist, but you know, all the streaks in the skies, I mean, they're just going overboard over Lexington, Kentucky lately. It's just insane. Never seen it so much. And geoengineeringwatch.org, Dane Wellington, he, I don't know if you guys are familiar with that, geoengineeringwatch.org. Yep. He, uh, so Dane started up that because he was living in, uh, Northern California in his James Bond fortress. And he, he was in the uh, solar industry and he was losing power. And so he started replacing parts and then realized, hey, um, we're, uh, you know, these guys are spraying in the sky and they're blocking the sun. Well, it's not only that, but uh, they're actually, they've, they're destroying the uh, ozone layer. And so now you're getting way too much of this ultraviolet waves in which are burning the bark. They're, they're observing it's burning the bark. Scientists are observing this, of course, it's censored. And it's, yeah, so in other words, the whole theory of, well, we're gonna lower the population and then, you know, a few of us who live left over in uh, Nirvana, no, they're not. It's just, uh, they're not. You know, the biggest hypocrisy in all of this is, is that um, they wanna protect you from, uh, is, is that where I was going with that? Never mind. <laughs> Never mind. I did have something. It slipped. <laughs> All right.
Well, anyways, Carrie, what any last words you have for audience that you want to share about like you know solutions too? You know, how how do you think people should should be? I know it's an individual question, but what are your thoughts on that? People got your inspiration and your wisdom for our here for the truth audience. Besides, buy your book. Yeah. Uh, oh, that's where I was going. Sorry. They're saying climate crisis is the problem of, over, of overpopulation, right? We've got an overpopulation problem, but at the same time, they're trying to keep you safe with these shots, right? They keep you safe from everything. But like, it's, it's, it's so hypocritical between the climate crisis game and they keep you safe with the vaccine game. Right. That's where I was going, but yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I suppose in uh, answer to your, answers to your uh, comment is, uh, if you don't know, if you don't know how your mind works, then you will be a puppet for someone else. Even if you are strong-willed and it's just, nah, I take a shit from no one and I'm going to just go and do whatever it is I want to do, you'll still be fooled. It's like, I know, I have friends with a lot of people as of late who uh, were into the local politicians out here and thinking like the Rand Pauls and the Ron Pauls and uh, they got seduced by these guys. You know, and no, Rand has told me everything all about him by what he refused to do, him and his father, with, you know, 9-11, two jets, three buildings crumbled to dust. Both of them are allergic to uh, architects and engineers for uh, 9-11.org or com or whatever it is. Yeah, they never made a big stink about it. Uh, the politician out here say, oh, well, that's because he's worried about dying. Well, then you're in the wrong line of work. If you're worried about getting burned, don't be a firefighter. Yep. You know, it's just, so if you don't understand, you know, you got to become smarter and smarter is not memorization. Smarter is learning how your mind works and it starts with the mind. And if you, you know, that, that's what I would do. And then you work with uh, best you can work with people and God, be open mind. Like out here, we're trying to, you know, we got a bunch of patriots. We're trying to do this and that. And I'm seeing a lot of people where the, the blinders come on, like Christianity. Oh, no, you know, no, no. Well, the other day we're having a meeting, guy, 9 11. Oh, no, we're not going there to 9 11. And the reason that came up is because one of us said that, uh, well, this caught us by surprise, like this whole new normal. And I'm like, didn't catch me by surprise, you know. Yeah. Uh, 9-11 nobody cared uh alex jones getting deplatformed 2018 nobody cared identity politics man eh, it's kind of funny but whatever oh something happened to you now it's a big deal mm -hmm. it's like eh, wrong and it's just uh yeah you've got to you know in fact the whole christianity the problem with the whole Christ, uh, collective religion thing is that someone else is going to take care of you Ah, don't worry. In the end, God, oh God, in the end, God wins, Q wins, Trump is coming back, all this and that. No, you got to treat this like your house is burning down and you better deal with it or it's too late. And uh, we're at that press preface. I mean, I'll take it if Trump comes in on a white stallion and, uh, you know, deals with all the evil people, but um, doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Hear you, man. I hear you. Kerry? Thank you so much for joining us on Here for the Truth podcast. Um, uh, your website is the descendantsofatlantis.com. Is that right? Yes, sir. Yeah. Anyone interested in, in the book or in exploring further Kerry's blogs, which also are very interesting, please head there. 
Thank you so much for listening to this program and we'll see you next time. Take care. Thanks for having me. Thanks, yeah, man. Smoking mirrors, I'm seeing through the illusion. Waking up in a the time, they think you're in a delusion. Somebody set the alarms, cause they be too busy snoozing. I'm in a DeLorean.